0: Welcome, here is this past Sunday sermon from Grant Memorial Church. Welcome to Grant Memorial. My name's Steve, I'm one of the pastors here, and if you were at the funeral on Friday, you would have seen that I was wearing a suit. Who knew that I owned one of those, hey? And hey, my friends, if uh, if you ever see me coming towards you in a suit, you should be concerned, okay? Because I wear a suit if somebody has passed away or if I'm asking for money, okay? So uh, so it's it's good when you see me not wearing the suit. Um, but um, well, welcome to church this morning. Uh, to start things off, I'd like to try something. Every single one of us has had some type of obsession or interest as a young child. Do you remember the thing that? just got your, just consumed your mind for a few weeks, a few months, or even maybe a year of your life when you were a child? Maybe it was um, uh, playing hockey or uh, building model rockets or finger knitting a rug or something, I don't know. But just try and put it into your mind, what is that thing that you were excited about as a child? Do you have it? You ready? So now turn to the person beside you and tell them what were you excited about as a kid? What was your obsession or interest? You have 15 seconds. Turn to your neighbor and go. I would love to listen in and hear what is being shared. And uh, I encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to share, to find somebody in the foyer afterwards and, and just lead in the conversation. Say, when I was a kid, this is what I was into. Now, I know it's probably not a surprise to you, but I was a pretty weird kid growing up. And when I was 13 years old, I became fascinated with, are you ready for this? Fascinated with clowns. Not only was I interested in clowns, I was filled with the desire to become a real clown. It's a whole industry, I don't know if you knew this. So I'm not sure if I've piqued your interest or whether I've completely freaked you out. So while my friends went to sports camp or went on fun family vacations, I was pumped to attend clown camp. I found at clown camp that I wasn't the only 13-year-old who was into clowning. Others were into this. Now, in this moment of the story, my wife wants it to be very clear that this is not a story of how we met. (laughs) Now, my friends, if you think that clowning was just a fad, you are very mistaken. You are looking at someone who didn't just complete clown camp one time, but I returned a few years later on top of yearly clowning conferences, clowning shows, and hanging out with other clowns. I had my own makeup kit, twice toured around Manitoba with a clowning troupe. And now I know that I've derailed the rest of this message because you're at the edge of your seats to know if I'm going to pull out my unicycle or juggle fire or have a pie ready to throw at somebody. And yes, in my prime, I could do all of those things. But at clown camp, I found that I fit, that I found a sense of belonging. And as humans, we often look to pretty unique places to find belonging. Today's passage of scripture leads us into a conversation about belonging. Uh, Pastor and author Jeremy Lindman writes, Beyond food and shelter, nothing promotes human flourishing like having a people and a place of belonging. Research confirms that income level, marriage and children, and perceived security all pale in comparison to belonging and promoting sustained happiness. We long... To belong. As humans, we strive to fit in and belong. All sorts of online communities promise the hope of finding a place where we belong. In fact, some apps promise that belonging is found as simple as swiping right on a person's profile. And despite being more connected than ever as humans, we're lonelier than ever. Lonely but surrounded with people website after website strives to give users a sense of belonging but this is not an authentic belonging. This is an illusion of belonging. In fact some websites attempt to give you a sense of belonging as fast as possible by filling the screen with a customized experience which is catered to every user's needs or desires all in the hope that we'll spend money. Are you a Winnipeg Jets fan? Click here and buy a signed jersey. Are you a woodworker? Click and, and you can see the latest DeWalt tool and it goes on and on and on but this is not belonging even though these websites try and convince us of that it's simply an ad campaign you're not actually known just your shopping habits are known this counterfeit sense of belonging is skewing our culture and influences unhealthy expectations in the church because when we come to church we're tempted to ask the question Do I belong? Am I affirmed like I am online and in other areas? What does it mean to belong to a church community? Well, spoiler alert, church communities, we don't focus on what will just keep your attention. It's not about having an experience catered to our individual needs or desires. It's not about what I want or what you want. As people of the way, Followers of Jesus, created by God, we look to our Creator and search His Word to define belonging because we're looking for what's true, not what's just popular. And so I invite you to open up your copy of the Scriptures to the book of Romans, chapter 12. The book of Romans was inspired by God but written by the hand of the Apostle Paul to a local body of believers in the city of Rome. These words were written to believers who had just recently started meeting as a church community because the movement of Jesus was still relatively young. And being guided by God, Paul is working to lay the foundation of their faith and to guide the formation of what means to be a church Let's read in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1 and going up to verse 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pray to open. Father, these are your words. And we're coming to you not looking for what's popular, but looking for what's true. We pray that your spirit would guide this time together and that you would do a work in each of our hearts, that you would highlight parts of this scripture that you want to speak into our hearts. And so we just give you permission to move powerfully here today. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So for the past 11 chapters, Paul has been laying the foundation of what it means to be intellectually justified by faith. And now in chapter, two, two, uh, chapter 12, me, things turn very practical. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us. Because throughout Scripture, we see that a faith that doesn't actually make a difference in real life isn't really faith at all. In, in verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1... Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul is saying to us, in case you thought I was just writing, what was writing was theoretical, think again. The past 11 chapters of theology must make it into our lives and must make an actual difference in how our bodies experience the world. Um, in, in the message translation, it makes it even more apparent. In the message it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. My friends, if your mind is visual, I hope you can picture that these words are written to a very real group of people who formed the church in Rome. These people, they have similar insecurities to us. They have similar fears, similar needs to us as humans. And while we don't live with the fear of being sent to the lions as they were, we need to embrace the fact that Paul is writing to a local church community which was navigating the difficulties of being a church community. And so on the topic of belonging in a church community, Paul shares three points that we'll highlight in this passage here today. First of all, we belong to God. When Paul writes in verse 1, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is a way of Paul saying, If you think it's going to be comfortable to follow Jesus, think again. You are God's and you belong up on the altar. Get up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We belong to God. But then Paul quickly moves to his second point. We do not belong to the world. Verse 2 of Romans 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. If we are not to conform, then what patterns are we not to conform to? And earlier in Romans, Paul describes this in Romans chapter 1. My friends, this is a description of our hearts without Jesus. This is the pattern that we are not to conform to. Here it is in Romans 1. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse, to understand, uh, they refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Y- worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. My friends, This is no longer our identity. We have moved from the dominion of darkness and been bought by God into the kingdom, brought by God into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is very significant. Our culture attempts to convince us that our individual satisfaction is the highest good, but we no longer belong to the world. We no longer approach God's word to justify our own desires, but rather we allow God's word to shape our desires. My friends, we belong to God. We do not belong to the world. Thirdly, belonging is lived out in church communities. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 4 to 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The Apostle Paul highlights how we can live transformed lives as God's people It's simple. We don't need to overcomplicate this. Simply look down into your own bodies. We all have different body parts that work together to live each day. And Paul is using this word picture to describe the church. More specifically, the local church. And we know it's the local church because the book of Romans was written to a local church in Rome. Also in other parts of the New Testament, Paul explicitly says that when he refers to the body of Christ, such as in Colossians 1.24, he is referring to the church. Seminary professor Douglas Moo writes, While the distinction between the local and universal church is helpful in some ways, Paul's letters forbid us from separating them. Every individual church is simply the universal church in its local expression. We must seriously question then whether Paul would even entertain the idea that a person could be a member of the universal church without being a member of a local church. Our modern proliferation of local churches creates difficulties at this point, but Paul would never imagine any believer seeking to grow in his or her faith apart from the Christian community. My friends, Paul is imploring us to look around, to look each other in the eye and know that each person, part of the local church, is part of the body. Our unity doesn't rest on the ability to agree with each other or the ability to like the same style of music. It's Christ that brings us together. And Christ is who makes it possible for us to belong. We are interconnected with other members of the local Christian community. Interconnected by Jesus, as it says in verse 5. Each member belongs to all the others. And so now turn to the person next to you and say, You belong here. You belong here. You fit. And I know that our emotions make us feel like we don't belong at times, but I want you to know from Scripture Jesus has made it possible for you to belong here. Our culture screams in opposition to this idea. Everywhere we turn, we are bombarded with messages that we are the center of the world and that we can go at life alone, that we are the lone ranger that doesn't need anyone else. But God's word invites us into a different reality. Verse 5, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong because we all have a role to play, decided by Jesus. This brings us to the verse six to eight. In his grace, in his grace, he's the initiator. God has given us different gifts of doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, and serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is, to, it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, my friends, if you're like me, You see this as an opportunity to to look at this list and try and figure out, okay, which gift best describes me, you know, and you're analyzing it and trying to figure out where you fit, but just stop it. This list isn't exhaustive. This isn't designed as a list for you to decide which is your gift. This is an example of how Jesus brings together parts of the body. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you are connected in this church, it means that you belong here and that you have been equipped by Jesus to serve as a member of this body. And now I realize that this is an easy thing to say from the platform, but often difficult to live out. I know that church can be a scary and at sometimes a hurtful place, a difficult body to love. And I realize that sometimes there's a disconnect between what we know to be true from Scripture and what we have experienced. And so would you give me the opportunity now to encourage you to consider four action steps, which I believe will shape our hearts to experience a deep sense of spiritual belonging within this church community. The first action step is to believe belief in Jesus as Lord is absolutely foundational to belonging in the family of God. If, if you are here today and you haven't yet taken the step to believe that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose again, we're glad you're here. We actually we hope that you feel welcome and we hope that you feel part of this service, but to a certain extent, we hope that you will feel a sense of belonging, but we also hope that you'll sense that there's a deeper experience of belonging that comes in the family of God once you take the step of giving your life to Jesus. Jesus talks about belonging in John 10. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Walking with Jesus and being empowered with his strength provides the foundation for belonging within his family. Pastor Authy, author Jeremy Lundman again he writes, in our churches, belonging before believing is true insofar as belonging roughly means being, uh, means feeling loved and welcomed, which is absolutely vital and a frequent forerunner to saving faith. With regard to formal belonging, however, we summon people to believe in order to belong. The deep universal longing to, uh, longing to belong leads us here to abiding faith in Christ and membership in his fold. To experience true belonging in the family of God, belief in Jesus as Lord is absolutely foundational. Second, second action step, stay. Let me share an example to illustrate this. My friends, we are almost at garage sale season here in Winnipeg. Okay, how many other people love garage sales in the crowd here today? Anyone else? Yes. Okay, fantastic. I'll be honest. I don't have many vices in my life, but when I see a garage sale sign on the side of the road, everything inside me wants to turn in to see if I can find a deal. But I will describe myself as a cutthroat garage sailor, meaning that I'm the guy who does the slow drive by at the end of the driveway just to kind of scope out the garage sale to see if it's even worth parking my vehicle and getting out. And then if I walk up the driveway, I'm in full-blown analyzation mode to see if anything, if the particular sale is worth my time, I'm analyzing it to see is there anything in it for me. And if at any point I feel like, no, I don't think there's anything for me, I will do a 180 back in my vehicle and off to the next one. um, that quick judgment on these garage sales has sometimes made me miss out on some great deals because I don't, sometimes don't even darken, get into the, into the garage itself. But don't we often apply the same thinking to church? As humans, we have been trained to make these quick judgments about these types of things. We've developed lightning-fast decisions on whether we like the church or not. Did someone open the door for me? Do I like the music? Do I like what the pastor's wearing? <laughs> To experience belonging, we are learning about in Romans 12. We can't treat church like a grass sale that we quickly skim over and get out. Because belonging isn't found by, by finding what we like. Belonging is found by being known. There are no shortcuts to being known. Our culture loves to embrace transient behavior. But belonging in a church community is found by coming and staying. Now for some of us, staying is about committing to a church community even if it doesn't meet every one of our needs. For others, staying means coming back to in-person worship. Online church was a great backup when we weren't able to meet, but for some of you who are watching, it's time to return. And I realize that for some, there's health limitations and ministry placement, which makes, doesn't make it possible to connect in person. And I'm not speaking to those who are navigating that. I'm speaking to those who say, I just find it easier to watch church in my pajamas while sipping my coffee. My friends, where's the camera? It's time to come back. Come back to being in person. But I can hear the pushback already. Oh, but Steve, I don't need a church community to grow in my faith. Hmm. Hmm. Imagine if that's how couples treat a marriage. Steve, I don't need to go home to my spouse to still be married. Right, but if you don't go home, you won't be in a healthy marriage for very long. The Apostle Paul calls this type of attitude pride. Romans 12, 3-4. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul is saying that we we are each one part of a body dependent on one another, connected by Christ. And to those who think they could do it on their own, Paul says, who do you think you are? Why do you think of yourself so highly? My friend uh, Thomas Knight likes to describe viewing the world through God's eyes like putting on a pair of God God goggles. It's a mouthful. God goggles. Through God goggles, we can see things through God's perspective. And God goggles give us the perspective that we see in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I pray that God would give each of us a pair of God goggles to see how vitally important it is for us to stay engaged in a local church community. C.S. Lewis describes the church in his popular book, Mere Christianity. He writes, Enemy-occupied territory is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say it landed in disguise. And is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you are really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. He does it by playing on our conceit and laziness and intellectual snobbery. My friends, just by coming and staying to connect here this morning, you are engaging in a significant act of rebellion against the powers of darkness. In my travels around the world I can see that the spirit of complacent church engagement is primarily a Western world problem. Christians in other parts of the world make incredible sacrifices for the opportunity to connect with a body of believers, even taking on significant risks themselves and risks to their families. And if you are resonating with this and would like to learn more about what Christians are experiencing in other parts of the world, I want to make a quick plug. Because on Sunday, May 21st, we're going to be hosting a member of the persecuted church here at Grant Memorial. This is a man that I've gotten to know over the past year. He's a visually impaired Christian who grew up in the Middle East and has many powerful stories of God moving in profound ways. And I know that you will be greatly inspired and encouraged. He's coming on May-long weekend, and I know that that's a sacred weekend for many people here in Manitoba, but I encourage you to come back from the cottage, or come back from camping for that morning. He's going to be sharing the message in both services, but after the service, don't miss this, we're going to be hosting a special lunch in the Fellowship Hall with him, and we're going to hear more about his story. We're going to watch a special video presentation and have an opportunity to ask questions, but here's the thing. The presentation in the lunch after church on the 21st is going to be unfiltered. It means that we require all cell phones to be turned off. We're going to have security bags where they're going to be slid into, and you can't touch your phone while he's sharing. Okay? Actual names and locations of the persecuted church are going to be shared during that lunch. And to be honest, this presentation won't be safe for children because there's going to be topics and mature themes that will be presented. So, child care will be provided during that lunch. It's not going to be live-streamed. It's an in-person lunch only, and I encourage you to make it a priority because these opportunities don't come around very often. So that's Maylong Weekend. Mark it on your calendars. But our prayer is that by hearing from a member of the persecuted church, we can all grow a deeper understanding of how God is using local churches around the world to spread his hope and love. So the action steps that we have so far are believe, stay, thirdly, move in. This is an invitation to move in towards others. It's an intentional shift from passive participation to active alignment within the community. Will we move from independence to interdependence with others? The act of moving toward one another in relationship can be vulnerable, can be awkward, and at times can be pretty painful. Churches are filled with broken people, and Grant is no exception. And with broken people often come expressions of brokenness. We're not a perfect church community. And at times, unfortunately, we do act out of our brokenness. And I'm so sorry. And when conflict arises, it's tempting to check out. But as people of spiritual belonging, we move toward conflict in order to communicate, apologize, and do the difficult work of forgiveness and reconciliation. And I know this is easier said than done, but even in the midst of the mess, we can have a fierce commitment to move toward each other rather than away. For some of you, moving in means making church a weekly priority rather than a monthly. Priority. For others, you need to stop dating church and put a ring on it. At Grant Memorial, we have formalized this commitment with something called church membership. This is a process that allows people at Grant to communicate to the body that they have chosen to be committed to this church community and promise to work together to stay laser focused on the mission that God has given this church body. Now, I'll be honest, formal church membership is not commanded in scripture, but if you are a follower of Jesus and committed to the church, this is a very wise step to consider. And even though we don't see robust biblical evidence for formal church membership, we do see clear biblical directives for what church membership represents. We see clear biblical directives for commitment and connection to a local church body. We see clear biblical directives for accountability to church leadership, to, for, for, us, for parts of the body to use their gifts. And we also see clear biblical directives for building unity within the church around the gospel of Jesus as evidenced in the Bible. And those things is what we call church membership here. The elders here at Grant believe that church membership is an important aspect of a believer's life. It signifies a commitment to the church, places each of us under the authority of the church, and gives us full rights to serve at the church within our spiritual giftedness. And just as an aside, when I consider the challenges that are coming at churches in Canada over the upcoming decades, there are several tools that we can utilize in order to prepare First, of course, needs to, we need to ensure that we are teaching the word of God to the best of our ability as we are led by him. But secondly, another critical tool is to reinforce our church, formal church members to be unified around the gospel as taught in the scriptures. My friends, if we were a church of Christians meeting under a tree in the South American jungle somewhere, we wouldn't need to consider formal church membership to the same degree. But as a church in Canada, in the 21st century, formal membership is an important aspect of church life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, committed to staying here at Grant, and haven't yet made the decision to become a member, can I ask, why not? What's stopping you from considering this? It was just after my 18th birthday that I moved out of my childhood home. But before I moved out, I remember my, a conversation that I had with my dad. My dad encouraged me that wherever I find, found myself in the upcoming years, that I would quickly become a church member of whatever Bible-believing church I decided to attend. It's an interesting conversation as an 18-year-old is leaving home to have. My dad said to me, don't wait more than just a few weeks to make the decision. Just dive in and invest in whatever Bible-believing church you find yourself in. And so I tried it. I found a little church in the town of Manitou, Manitoba, near to where I was living, and I dove in. And my friends, by investing in the church, I was immediately surrounded by a group of older men and women, older men and women church leaders, who helped shape my young adult life. I had invited that church community to hold me accountable, to walk beside me in ways that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't committed to them. My dad's encouragement to join a church was formative for me in my young adult years. At Grant, we have several volunteer roles that can only be filled by people who have have been formal church members for over a year. And maybe today you don't feel called to serve in those roles, and that's fine. But I've seen it time after time where someone does feel that they are now called to fill that role, but then are prevented from serving because they didn't become a church member. They have to wait a whole year before they can be considered for it. And so in order to become a member, you're invited to share your faith story with an elder, to learn a little more about who we are as a church community. And we do this in what we call a membership class. It sounds a little bit official, but it's just a time for us to come together to share. And my friends, believe it or not, this upcoming Saturday, there is a membership class happening. And so you have an opportunity, if the Lord is leading you in this way, uh, to, to sign up on our website this coming Saturday. We've talked about believing Staying, moving in, finally making space. When we take the focus off of our need to belong and make space for others, we find ourselves surrounded by those happy to have us in their lives. My experience is that the more I work to make space and foster community for others, the more I feel that I belong within that group of people. It reminds me of when Jesus talks about how if we want real life, We need to give ours away. This shifts the perspective away from always internally analyzing how I feel about church, but shifts my focus toward how I can serve and make space for people to belong. And my friends, we don't need to wait for others to check in on you. We can each take the initiative to make space for others. We can pick up the phone and call someone from the church. It's okay to do that and say, how are you doing? How can I pray? It's okay to call up a pastor here and say, how can I pray for you today? You better believe I'm going to return the favor and pray for you as well. And there will be a sense of belonging that takes place. Okay, write an email. Walk across the room here and introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Take the initiative. Because connection to a local church community is an act of rebellion against the powers of darkness. The enemy wants us to feel a steady stream of counterfeit belonging, but Jesus invites us to embrace the belonging found through him in the context of a local church community. Is the Lord leading you to believe today? Is the Lord inviting you to stay, to move in, or make space? My prayer is that each person hearing my voice will find a deep sense of belonging, a belonging that comes from the hand of the Father as expressed within a local church community. Let's close in prayer. Father, we need your help. We're broken people, and our hearts gravitates towards counterfeit belonging. But in your word, you show us what true belonging looks like led by you. And so, God, I pray that you would give us strength and courage. Help us to to allow ourselves to be known by others. and Remind us that we are known by you. And, God, I, I pray that you would move powerfully within this church community, that we would be a place of belonging, being led by your Spirit. We praise your holy name for the opportunity to connect. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening with us. For more information about our church or upcoming services and events, please visit us at grantmemorial.ca or on social media at at Grant Memorial Church.